Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Hello, I'm Marina Yevshan, co-host of the Russia-Ukraine War Report podcast, and today is February the 20th, 2024. It's been 3,676 days since Russia's illegal occupation of Crimea on January 27, 2014, and one year and 361 days since Russia expanded its war of aggression against Ukraine. Today's podcast looks at events that happened on Monday and Tuesday morning. During the podcast, you will find the Russia-Ukraine war map helpful to visualize the areas discussed. A link is in the podcast description. The Russia-Ukraine war report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from our direct contacts and journalists in Ukraine, the Russian Ministry of Defense, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine Morning Reports, Operational Commands North, South and East of Ukraine, Open Source Intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geospatial experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian male bloggers and social media channels with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission – the truth, because the truth matters. Let's start with the daily assessment. 1. The acute shortage of ammunition and air defense missiles directly impacted the battlefield and contributed to Ukraine's withdrawal from Avdiivka. 2. In the near term, it is unlikely Russia can convert its operational success in Avdiivka into further gains, due to the need to establish military control of captured territory, extend and secure new ground lines of communication, and the unfavorable terrain west of the settlement. 3. It is unlikely that Russia will achieve its main operational goal of capturing the remaining areas of the Luhansk and Donetsk oblasts and the areas east of the Oskil River in northern Kharkiv by March 13. 4. Bezdorizhia is slowing the operational tempo due to poor tractability, which will further restrain Russian advances west of Avdiivka. 5. The United States has ended financial and military aid to Ukraine, unless there is an unforeseen event that changes congressional leadership before the 2024 elections. 6. The lack of media attention and the ending of U.S. military aid has encouraged the Kremlin to be more transparent when committing grave breaches of the General Convention due to the lack of meaningful response from international organizations. 7. Russian forces continue their offensive to capture Chasiv Yar, west of Bakhmut. 8. Combat that closely resembles World War I trench warfare versus 21st century combined arms maneuver warfare will continue for the foreseeable future. 9. We maintain that while the possibility of an intentional nuclear accident caused by Russian occupiers at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant remains low, the condition is more serious than what the International Atomic Energy Agency is reporting. We begin today's war report in Kharkiv and Luhansk oblasts. Positional fighting restarted in the Kupiansk area of operation, or EO, in Kharkiv oblast. Russian and Ukrainian sources reported mutual fighting in the area of Sinkivka, with no change in the situation. Remember how last week I told you that Russia claimed Belgorod was attacked by rockets fired by the RM-70 Vampire multiple-launch rocket system? 
and how that would be impossible because the 122mm Grad rocket only had a range of 20 kilometers. And how, if you still believe the updated Russian explanation that the rockets used were Serbian Eddy Pro G2000s with a range of 40 kilometers, it was still impossible. Russian mercenary mail blogger Wogonzo shared a video alleging that a North Korean-sourced KN-23 short-range ballistic missile, that's an SRBM, struck the village of Lipti and destroyed the Ukrainian vampire RM-70 attacking Belgorod. Analyst PJ geolocated the site, and from that location even G-2000 rockets can only reach the southern edge of Belgorod. They would not be able to strike the areas hit on December the 29th or February the 15th. The video shared by Russian propagandists provided a battle damage assessment that showed the North Korean SRBM missed the static target by 200 meters, striking a house. Further, the explosion the strike produced is not large enough to be from a KN-23 missile. We link to four different videos and the great work done by PJ in our situation report. You can learn more by checking out the podcast description. In the Kremenayo of Luhansk Oblast, mutual fighting was reported east of Terny, where Russian attempts to advance were repulsed. And in the Lysychanskyo, the general staff of the armed forces of Ukraine reported that a Russian attempt to advance toward Belohorivka failed. I have more from the Russian Ministry on poorly created propaganda. The head of the Radiological, Chemical and Biological Defense Forces of the Russian Federation, Lieutenant General Igor Kirillov, claimed that on December 5, 2023, traitor and illegitimate Putin-appointed governor of the so-called Luhansk People's Republic, Leonid Pasichnik, was poisoned with a phenolic compound. Russian state media and propagandists said the incident was, quote, severe. Phenols are naturally occurring and used in thousands of food products, supplements and hundreds of medications. If Pasichnik was poisoned, he recovered from the incident incredibly fast. He appeared in public on December 6 and gave a long press conference on December 8. You don't think that Moscow is looking for a Navalny destruction? Next, let's talk about the Donbass, starting in northeastern Donetsk Oblast. In the Bakhmutyo, Russian forces continued their attacks in the areas of Bogdanivka and Ivanivska, with no change in the situation. In the Klishivkayo, it was a similar situation, with fighting continuing northwest, north and east of Klishivka and east of Andreevka. Near Klishivka, a Russian MTLB and BTR-70 armored personnel carrier was destroyed during a failed advance. In the Turetsk New York AO, the Russian Ministry of Defense continues to report there is fighting in the area of Shumy and Pivdenne on the edge of Horlivka. In southwestern Donetsk Oblast, Russian and Ukrainian sources reported that pockets of fighting within occupied Avdiivka ended. In the FDFKO, northwest of the Krasnohorivka plateau, Russian forces restarted their attempts to advance on Novobakhmutivka from the railroad grade without success. Russian and Ukrainian sources reported that pockets of fighting that continued within Avdiivka, specifically near the coke plant, had ended. The spokesperson for the Tavria Operational Strategic Group, Dmitro Lehovi, said, quote, The Russians are now conducting a mop-up in Avdiivka, unquote. 
adding that the intensity of the fighting and the number of artillery and airstrikes have notably decreased. During an interview on Radio Svoboda, the spokesman for the 3rd Separate Assault Brigade, Oleksandr Borodin, said that members of the unit are still missing, but, quote, so far there are no confirmed prisoners from our brigade, unquote. Our sources have stated that stragglers with the 3rd, 110th and 47th Brigades continued to join their units after navigating through enemy lines. Russia has only shared a brief video of three prisoners captured in the area of the Avdivka coke plant and five more who were executed at the Zenit air defense station. I covered that incident in yesterday's podcast. Russian forces continued their attempts to advance toward Lastochkina, but were held back by Ukrainian defenses. Southwest of occupied Avdiivka, fighting restarted in the no-man's land between Severne and Vodyane and continued near Pervomaiske and east of Nevelske, with no change in the situation. A Ukrainian drone or rocket hit the fuel depot in occupied Makiivka, setting at least one tank on fire. We link to several videos in today's situation report. Continuing south to the Marinka Eo, Russian forces continued their attacks on the eastern edge of Georgievka and the southern edge of Marienka toward Pobeda. None of the attempts to advance were successful. It was a similar situation in the Vogledareo, with Russian troops continuing their attacks east and southeast of Novomikhailivka. In the Staromlinivka Eo, Russian and Ukrainian sources reported renewed fighting west of Staromayorska with the Ukrainian forces holding their defensive lines. The Ukrainian Air Force claimed that a Russian Su-34 and Su-35 were shot down. Pictures, videos and Russian reports confirmed that at least one Su-35 was downed in the Sea of Azov, within sight of occupied Mariupol. Russia denied the plane was shot down by Ukraine, deciding that claiming it accidentally shot down its own airplane was somehow better. Russian activity increased in Zaporizhia oblast, but there continue to be no signs of a looming large-scale offensive. In the Huleypole AO, there were Russian reports of fighting near Chervone and Shevchenka, and Ukrainian reports of a failed Russian advance in the area of Malinivka. If you use a war map and look east of Huleypole, all of these reports are likely referencing an area of wheat fields and creeks that sit at the center of a triangle formed by the three settlements. In our assessment, this wasn't three unique attacks. In the Urihivio, Russian attempts to advance on Robotene from the west resulted in a temporary breach of Ukrainian defenses, but ultimately ended in failure, with at least five Russian soldiers taken prisoner. There's a video. Based on the new intelligence, we made a minor adjustment to the line of conflict and expanded the gray area. In occupied Zaporizhia oblast, the Federal Security Service of Russia claimed they identified and killed a Ukrainian agent. Russian propagandists shared a video allegedly showing Russian citizen Vitaly Dyatlenko pretending to be disabled, falling and installing an explosive under a car. Incredibly, a random security camera was perfectly framed to capture every detail and Yadlinka's less-than-convincing performance. This isn't to say that the claim isn't true, but if you watch the video for yourself, the man won't be mistaken for John Wick. 
You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers, and analysts is funded by readers, listeners, and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at Malcontent News. Here is my theater-wide update. On February the 18th and the 19th, Russia launched four Shahid-136 one-way drones, and another 23 on February the 19th and the 20th. Ukrainian air defenses intercepted all 27. The drone attack, combined with the use of a KH-31P anti-radiation missile, suggests Russia is preparing another missile attack and is testing Ukrainian air defenses. Ukraine reported that it received a shipment of thousands of 122mm artillery rounds jointly produced with an Eastern European nation. The D-30 Taut howitzer and the 2S-1 self-propelled gun uses this ammunition, which has been in short supply. A car belonging to the Ukrainian Volunteer Army, a volunteer military organization that reports to the Territorial Guard, exploded in Hvardyska, Odessa. Albert and Natalia Kruchinian were critically injured in the blast. The UVA said the attack was carried out by Russian infiltrators and labeled it a terrorist attack. The Deputy Prime Minister of Ukraine for Innovation, Education, Science and Technology, Mikhailo Fedorov, said that he spoke with SpaceX CEO Elon Musk about Russian use of Starlink terminals. Fedorov said that Ukrainian engineers figured out how to block the Russian terminals without impacting Ukrainian operations, and that Starlink had already started implementing the fix. Ukraine and Italy are reportedly close to signing a long-term security agreement, following the same format as the United Kingdom, France and Germany. The security agreements with Germany and France do not include a mutual protection pact, but do provide a specific dollar amount for annual military aid to Ukraine. President of Ukraine Volodymyr Zelensky reported that at the Munich Security Conference, quote, there are meetings where we agreed on defense packages with several states. There are both artillery and 155-caliber projectiles, unquote. In a critical financial boost for Ukraine, European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen said that in the coming days the EU would legalize the transfer of interest income from frozen Russian assets to Ukraine. The High Representative of the EU for Foreign Affairs and Security Policy, Josep Borrell, said that member states could order artillery rounds from any nation to provide Ukraine with needed munitions. Quote, if member states have a way to get ammunition on the international market, if someone can deliver this ammunition faster, cheaper and easier, there are no restrictions. If someone has a better offer, please use it. Unquote. Japan announced it would provide $12.1 billion in macrofinancial aid to Ukraine, with the first tranche of $4.7 billion arriving by the end of February. Later today, Sweden is expected to announce a $683 million military aid package. Canada will finally transfer 800 Skyranger R-70 drones produced by Teledyne Fleer. 
the UAVs can operate in winds as high as 90 km per hour, have a payload of over 3 kg, are semi-autonomous and can continue to operate even if GPS and communications to the operator have been jammed. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announced the package in the summer of 2023, and the drones will arrive by April. In occupied Novoazovsk, Russia downed a turbine-powered drone that appeared to be a British Banshee Jet 80. The UK reported in May 2023 that they were transferring modified Banshees to Ukraine, and the one that Russian occupiers shot down had a 7-kilogram warhead. The Foreign Minister of Ecuador, Gabriela Sommerfeld, announced that President Daniel Noboa had reversed his decision to provide $200 million worth of old Soviet military equipment to the United States. Washington offered to take the hardware, mostly inoperable Mi-17 helicopters, and up to six 9K-33 OSA air defense systems in exchange for military aid. The cost change came after a meeting with Russian officials, who instituted an embargo on Ecuadorian bananas after the exchange was originally announced. What's going on in the world of Mobix, Mobilization and Mir? I have an update on the death of Colonel Magomedali Magomedjanov. Last week we reported he was the commander of the Russian 177th Marine Regiment. The public chamber of Dagestan clarified that he had taken command of the 61st Separate Marine Brigade of the Northern Fleet and was the deputy commander of the 18th Army. The 61st is an occupied Kherson Oblast on the left bank of the Dnipro River. We thank you for your understanding as we cut through the fog of war. The deputy chairman of Security Council of Russia, Dmitry Medvedev, claimed that 53,000 people signed contracts with the military in January. He made his claim while meeting with Colonel General and aspiring dentist Ramzan Dondon Kadyrov. Russian soldier and mailblogger Andrei Morozov, better known as Murs, had a complete meltdown on his Telegram channel about Russian losses at Avdiivka. Quote, 16 thousand. Afghanistan in 10 years. Four months of terrible fucking meat with columns of burned equipment. Unquote. After people threatened to report him for discrediting the Russian Federation armed forces and spreading fakes, he doubled, tripled, and quadrupled down. He closed a multi-post screed stating that if he ends up in prison like Igor Strelkov Girkin, his only wish is that the commanders of the Russian 1487th Regiment be placed in the cell next to his. Russian propagandist Yuri Kotenak called for military prosecutors to investigate quote, all actions in order to take into account mistakes, unquote citing the catastrophic losses Russia suffered. On the Telegram page for the Russian 55th Motor Rifle Brigade, surviving members were furious after a Kremlin snub. Quote, Where the f*** is the memorial service for the thousands of our soldiers who died for the capture of Avdiivka? Unquote. Everything is going to plan. Putin's purge continues, spreading beyond Russia. Russian helicopter pilot Maxim Kuzminov, who defected to Ukraine on the 9th of August 2023, was shot to death in Villa Hoyosa, Spain, 
in what appears to be a targeted assassination. Ukrainian officials confirmed that Kuzminov received a Ukrainian passport and moved to Spain under an assumed name. Spanish officials reported he was shot 12 times and run over in an underground parking garage. The burned-out remains of the car that was used in the attack were found in nearby El Campeo. A source in the Hur reported that Kuzminov reached out to his girlfriend in Russia and asked her to visit him in Spain. In October 2023, a representative from the GRU, speaking on the TV network Russia One, said they had received orders from the Kremlin to, quote, liquidate Kuzminov. Government repression in the Republic of Bashkortostan after the January protests in support of activist Fail Alsinov continued. Another 64 people, mostly from Baymak, were criminally charged with participating in a mass riot or violence against police officers. The defendants range from 20 to 60 years old and are facing 8 to 15 years in prison. In our War Crimes and Human Rights section, we sometimes discuss atrocities, gender-based violence, torture, cruelty to animals and human suffering. Today's report does not contain graphic details. Ukrainian officials reported that on February 14 an agreement had been reached with Russia to secure the wounded Ukrainian soldiers left at the Zenit Air Defense Station. Commanders of the 110th Brigade contacted the Ukrainian Coordination Center, which is leading the negotiations with Russia on the exchange of prisoners of war. Russia reportedly agreed they would provide assistance to the seriously wounded and exchange them. Under international humanitarian law, seriously wounded soldiers are supposed to receive the same medical care as anyone else and are to be exchanged as soon as practically possible. Instead, the Russian soldiers who arrived at the need executed the five wounded soldiers, with the location of the six unknown. The International Committee of the Red Cross released a report looking for information about the fate of 23,000 people from the occupied territories who are missing. The Bureau of the Central Tracing Agency has received over 115,000 requests since March 2022. The Geneva Convention requires competence to notify the ICRC of all protected persons under their control. In October 2023, the deputy head of the Ministry of Internal Affairs, Leonid Timchenko, said that Ukraine had documented 26,000 missing persons under special circumstances, including 11,000 civilians. In happier news, five more children, including a 14-year-old orphan, were repatriated from occupied Kherson Oblast. Additionally, wanted war criminal and Russian children's ombudsman Maria Lvova-Belova claimed a total of 11 children were returned to Ukraine. Last year, Russia claimed it had illegally transferred 700,000 children from the occupied territories. Let's move on to geopolitics news. On Sunday, the Foreign Minister of Hungary, Petr Sijarto, refused to receive a delegation from the United States Senate after saying on Friday he would welcome the politicians. The bipartisan group wanted to discuss continued military aid to Ukraine, drawing a sharp rebuke from Sijarto. Quote, 
you should not try to put pressure on us because we are a sovereign country. Unquote. The timing of Navalny's murder and the Munich Security Conference appears to have further motivated Europe to prepare for a world without the support of the United States. Multiple sources told Bloomberg, quote, Senior defense officials in attendance voiced concern about the U.S.'s failure to deliver billions of dollars of funding for Ukraine and said they were planning for scenarios in which this very public deterioration in support could encourage Russia to make a direct attack on a NATO ally. Unquote. Finally, I have some important economic news. Polish farmers appeared poised to shut down not only all border crossings with Ukraine, but key logistic hubs, railroad stations and seaports. On Sunday, there were multiple reports of protesters blocking humanitarian aid, military equipment and passenger buses. Polish officials broke up a weekend attempt to block railroad tracks. The Minister of Community Development, Territories and Infrastructure of Ukraine, Oleksandr Kubrakov, warned that the blockade would have serious social and political consequences for both countries. President Zelensky went further, suggesting the blockade was supportive of Russia. Quote, Things that are happening on our western border, the border with Poland, cannot be considered normal or ordinary. A simple and clear justice is needed. Only 5% of our agricultural exports pass through the Polish border. So, in reality, the situation is not about grain, but rather about politics." Unquote. Bloomberg reported that half of Russia's shadow fleet of 50 oil tankers has stopped shipping petroleum products. A combination of tighter sanctions, decreased refinery production, weak global demand and lower-than-expected prices is hurting demand. Finally, banks in the United Arab Emirates have joined Turkey and China in closing Russian accounts and refusing to accept money transfers to local accounts. The steps were taken due to the risk of secondary sanctions by the United States. And that's what we know. Your support of my home, Ukraine, helps us make history and protect the future for all. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers, and analysts is funded by readers, listeners, and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at Malcontent News.